0: I'm just so excited to, to be here. This is like yeah. the nicest thing. This is the most fabulous thing on my entire agenda for like a month now. it's so. okay, no,
1: good. Hi, and welcome to Women in Power Active. I am your host, Jacqueline Gross. And I am your co-host, Erica Mann. Today we are talking to Liz DeClo Orcello and I'm very excited to hear a little bit more about her background as far as how she um, grew up and how like she was introduced to athletics. So Liz, if you could just tell us like your earliest um, active memory and then kind of go back from there. And then if you could start telling us as well about how you kind of get got into running too.
0: Sure, well, thanks for having me here. This is wonderful to get to speak with both of you. So I come from a family of six kids. I'm the second of six and grew, we grew up without a whole lot of money and yet with a real passion and interest to just do all the outdoor things. And I, those are related, not having a whole lot of money and then just spending your time outdoors. I grew up in New Hampshire uh, in a part of the state that at the time was still fairly rural, at least where I lived. So, We grew up doing all the stuff. We hiked everywhere. We went across the road and tied ropes to trees and rappelled down to river ravines. You know, this is back in the day where parents sent you off in the morning and you came back at night. Uh, But I I also grew up just kind of trying every sport that was there. I kind of consider myself an omnivore when it comes to athletic activities. I have four brothers. which just simply meant that all the competition was there all the time and we were all of us were just incredibly competitive with one another we had a basketball hoop so i played basketball we i played soccer i tried gymnastics and dance those were not my forte um you know i can't think of a sport that i haven't given a whirl at at some point in time and just really enjoy being—I really enjoy being outdoors, and I really enjoy just being active. Cross-country skiing, I tried downhill skiing—you know, a little bit of everything. Master of none, is what I would say. But that was very much a part of my growing up. Um, and then transitioning from there to how I got into running, or more intentionally into running, there's a very specific starting point, which was sixth grade gym class when we had to do a 600 meter run for your PE test back in the day. And I remember lining up to do this and we were running around the playground and I ran my two laps or whatnot, and I beat everybody, including the boys. And I realized in that moment that while I was not at all a skilled gymnast and not at all graceful as a dancer and was probably never gonna make it anywhere with my softball skills such as they were, um, my gosh, I could run. That was, And I didn't know that that was a thing. And back, that was in the early eighties and it really wasn't a thing to be honest for an 11 or 12 year old girl, it wasn't a thing. There were not a whole lot of outlets, but it got me excited. And it also was something that none of my other siblings did. And so there was this opportunity for it to sort of be my thing. So that's when I got into it, but you know, not in a formal way. It just got stuck in my head that maybe putting one foot in front of another, which didn't require too much overthinking, was a strategy <laughs> for my athletic pursuits.
2: Yeah, yeah that's awesome for sure. What, what surprised you most about your athletic adventure and journey? like? You as you grew up you ran and you were surprised that like hey this is actually a thing and then what really stuck out to you
0: yeah well i'll say that my running journey really and my athletic journey has been a bunch of fits and starts and i have learned a lot about myself along the way i've had a lot of setbacks. Um, sometimes running has been my friend and sometimes it's been my my enemy. It's gotten it's gotten me into places that maybe I didn't really need to be sort of in my life. But in other cases, it's um it's opened up doors. And I think what's a, what has surprised me over the years have been there's a few things. One is how strong my body really is. And I haven't always trusted it but i have learned that it really is i've been surprised by and and how much it can do i've been surprised over the years about the real tight relationship between running or being active or taking risks physically and my emotional well-being right that those are so tightly interconnected and our our well-being emotionally and mentally being tied to our physical not even so much our physical health but just our physical activity right and taking that seriously I've also been surprised at times at how fearless i can be in these physical spaces um, some you know adventures i've had include summiting mount olympus that a story that involved hitchhiking and being stuck on the side of a mountain in greece with my then 13 year old um you know some like capsizing in boats in frozen water and you know, not managing to get out of that. I mean, making some, some questionable choices in my teenage, in early years around being in, you know, spaces that probably weren't that safe to do such things. Um, and I guess the other, I guess I would, I would end with just saying that I've been surprised at how much I have learned to really love my own company. That a lot of what I do tends to be solo, not because I don't enjoy people, but I have, the rest of my life tends to be constantly with people needing something from me. And so a lot of my outdoor adventures and my athletic pursuits and my running has been about carving out time for me. And that's been really awesome.
2: That sounds awesome, for sure. (laughs) And well needed, we all need our own time, right? Our me time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's for sure. Um, When like, I kinda wanna get a little bit more of a background on, on you because I met you
0: through Tiffany who um, recommended you. So Tiffany and I, we we happen to be colleagues, but that is sort of superfluous. We have been fast friends for almost 17 years from the first day we met each other when we both started working at the same university on our, on our very first day there. Yeah. Uh, we met within hours and have been, have become family really. And I think what's interesting is that her journey to running is a very different one from mine and our trajectories have been very different and what we find in running and how running serves us has been very different, but we are both incredibly passionate about running as a pathway to other things that running especially women running is about changing yourself and engaging with other people in the world around you in ways that can change those those spaces and those places um and i i think you know we both are passionate in different ways about this i have uh, you know a long history of connecting my work to my running to charitable organizations and using my running to lift up um, particularly particular issues around social justice both in the united states and globally and that's where my passion is Um, even though my first passion is not getting out there in the middle of lots of races i do race um and i've been somewhat successful in that but my my love is running and pushing myself and finding my own pathway and uh, i love tiffany because tiffany's all about the events And I love being at events with her periodically, but that's not so much where I get all of my energy from, (laughs) but but we, we both have, we have both struggled in our lives in very different ways. We both carry some significant, um, challenges and some traumas and running has served both of us in that way. Although completely, completely disparate, um, very different in certain ways, but the end result has sort of brought us there. I love what you
2: said that like running could connect you in so many different ways for sure because a lot of people when they think of running you're just running and then you just hit the finish line and that's it but you said that it's so much more specifically what charitable events have you been like a part of and stuff like that sure
0: yeah, so, so running's a journey and I have a, I will just say there's a course I developed about five years ago which I have taught at our university called The Wisdom of Running. And it's a course that thinks about all the ways in which running is a metaphor for life. And it's with students and we think about big issues in our world and in our own lives and we use running to try to think through them, embody that kind of stuff. Um, in terms of charitable work uh, or charitable connections to my running, after I hit 40 and decided to, I had had one marathon attempt um, in my 30s when I had a two-year-old and um, it it was fine. It just, I was trying to qualify for Boston and that didn't happen. And I've had lots and lots and lots of injuries and surgeries and have spent a good portion of my adult life unable to run and sometimes not able to walk. So that's a, a little piece there. In, when I hit 40, I got talked into... Um, Doing a half Ironman triathlon, having never done a triathlon—not saying I do. <laughs> uh, long story short, I did that two days after my 40th birthday, and over the following year, um, I we had a very, um, a very, very traumatic family event that happened that really knocked me to the core. And unbeknownst to anyone, I decided to try to run a marathon the next fall. I had told no one that I was doing this, including my spouse, my my son. And I did that on my own on a rainy Sunday and qualified for Boston, at which point I decided that since I had a qualifying time for Boston, I wanted to run Boston and raise money for a charity that was meaningful to me without having to take up a charity bib. And that has been my move over the last um, five or six years. As I've qualified for Boston each year, I've sought out a charity, that either one that has Boston bibs or one that is just a local charity doing amazing work, but that I could use my platform to raise money. So that first year, I raised a number of thousands of dollars for an organization here in the Boston area, Metropolitan Boston Housing, which does phenomenal work to really change the landscape of housing equity um, in Boston and then uh, actually the next year I happened to be the next year I ended up unfortunately not being in the country during the Boston Marathon The, the year after that I actually ran to raise money for Catherine Switzer's team 261 Fearless the first year that she when she had just created that organization and was she was gonna be running Boston. Um, So I told them that I, again, I had a bib I'd run for them, but I had just come back that year from six months living in Greece with my son at the time of the Syrian refugee crisis that had been playing out, and had spent time there in and out of refugee camps on the um, Syrian, the the, the Turkish-Greek-Bulgarian border, which was not far from where we were. And the women that I met there and the families that I met there just, transformed me in really important ways, and so I actually raised some money for Catherine's organization and also raised money for um, an organization called Eyes on Refugees. There's a smaller organization here in the Boston area that was working at the time to relocate and support Syrian refugees who were fleeing, and I have haunting images of one particular woman and her children who I met and sat with in their tent for some time. And then um, since then I have run raising money for an organization here in Somerville where I live um, called the Welcome Project, which works to support um, immigrants, in, in, which is where I live, right? Immigrants in this community. So my neighbors, my friends, my son's friends, my son's classmates, his teammates. Um, it's also an organization that does really good work about protecting um, undocumented folks so I've done that and these are all ways for me to just use my running to amplify other work right there's and I'm gonna be really blunt like I'm a skinny white lady and I'm like a dime a dozen in the running world I and I like I'm not really part of the running world in a formal way but you know there's nothing special about that I'm just you know the genetics I look like this no matter what I do or don't do but as but as a like skinny white lady of a certain class position at a certain age, I have a lot of power in these spaces. And I do a lot of work in my own professional life for these issues that I care about. And I wanna, you know, if I have the gift and the opportunity and the blessing to be able to run in a space that I can amplify that and the Boston Marathon for whatever else it is, people think it's really special. And so you say Boston Marathon and people are happy to give you money, I've discovered. (laughs) And if I can leverage the word Boston Marathon and my running to to reallocate money in a really intentional way to organizations that are transforming systems and structures then by all means I'm going to do it. So that's the kind of stuff that I have been doing very intentionally over the years and I you know, it's important to me uh, and it's, it's important to me for a variety of reasons, but mostly I think this is a blessing. I know what it feels like to not be able to run. I know what it feels like to be in a lot of pain. I know what it feels like to have your life upended and um, turned upside down on a dime and have been very blessed uh, when I was growing up and in my adult life that people have stepped up when we needed a lot of help.
2: You talked about not being able to like run and at one point, not even being able to walk mentally and physically, how did you overcome that? Not a
0: pretty, not a pretty sight. (laughs) Um, yeah, when I was 18, so I went to college. Let me, let me back up for a second. I, I, my, my family of origin fell apart in a very dramatic way when I was in high school. Um, and it it was it was quite awful and for a variety of reasons and i was running in high school and had by the time i was a sophomore in high school was like ranked in new england as one of the top five distance runners in new england but i really had grown to despise running it had led me to a lot of anxiety and other issues but we were we were incredibly poor and when it was time for me to go to college i didn't have a lot of options what I had was I really could have could have and seriously considered staying home and going to a local community college and working with my mom cleaning houses because she still had four kids at home and we were living in poverty and then I got a effectively a full scholarship plus a lot of Pell grants and loans and other all the other things to go to a small college in Connecticut. And they had a running and one of the reasons was their running coach knew that I existed and invited me to to be part of the team. They don't have they didn't have athletic scholarships, but my my academics got me in. But that was going to be a connection. And I ran for a year. And then I quit. I quit in part for a variety of reasons but one of them was that by the end of that year I was in significant pain and I had seen a doctor who had said you have serious problems with your spine you're going to need back surgery and you probably shouldn't run and I was 18. So I effectively gave up running Um, other than just doing it for myself very sporadically for a handful of years I took it up again just again very casually like I didn't race for another five or six or seven years and then i started to try doing some some races when i was in my mid to late 20s when i was in graduate school but by the time i had my son when i was 28 uh, within a year of that time i had i had gotten to the point where i could barely walk Um, i couldn't be home alone with him because i couldn't pick him up I had nerve damage I so the, the, the long story short I had a whole lot of problems with my spine discs vertebrae all of it and I did end up having to have back surgery um, and so your answer is to how we sort of solve how I've managed that so that was tr- that was really dramatic but since then I have recurring episodes that happen a couple three times a year and it's really hard um I I keep myself emotionally balanced. Um, you know, I struggle with some anxiety and depression and I keep myself balanced by running. And when I can't, I would say the mental, the mental game is harder than anything else, just waiting and having to be patient. And, you know, I've had to go through that. And so every time I am outside and able to run, I am incredibly aware that it is a gift. I am incredibly, the worst day being outside and moving my body is better than laying on my back in a bed with the sun shining outside and not being able to get up. And and I, that has been my life, that's really been my life since I was 18. I mean, almost 30 years at this point and very much since I was, for the last 20
2: that's definitely a great way to look at it. That will definitely get you out of your bed and help running like it's... something else, something worse. It's...
0: Yeah.
1: When you say that um, you were kind of like running wasn't good for you, is is that mm-hmm. what you meant by that? Was it a particularly like the emotional
0: part of it too or yeah so i mean to be really to be really blunt i mean this you're doing you're doing you know these episodes on women strong women but you know how running and being active gets you out there um yeah i mean i by the time but in high school i running became uh, running became a problem i was fast and i was told that i was good and i took it to an extreme and i was overrunning and i was undereating and i ended up with an eating disorder and this is not a, a you know this is not unique and when i got to college i w- realized that i was in a much better place but i was now surrounded by women on a running team who were struggling with these things and it wasn't a place that i needed to be i also will say that in high school i i never ran cross country i ran track but i played soccer in the fall um and I did that really because I could not mentally do three seasons it was it was not giving me joy at all Um, my senior year in high school I played on a boys soccer team I was you know so I really did love soccer and would have continued doing that as well so yeah I got in a really bad place and it's it's a struggle because a lot and I think this is part of why I have never been drawn so much to traditional running groups or really the world of sort of running large scale running conversations. I mean, I just haven't because the couple times in my life where I've dipped into that, especially in the social media space, um, it, it it tends to feel to me that there's some unhealthy competition there and there's a focus on parts of what running is that aren't why I do it um at this point in my life and so finding like-minded folks who see running as a pathway to something more than than simply times or um you know external accomplishments is where i'm happy to be Uh, but i have had to really back away from that and i'm fine with that but i think it surprises people at times because they expect that with how much i enjoy running that i want to be part of um groups of people who also enjoy running. And I've been very careful about what those groups are and who those people are, because it sometimes um, strikes me as, I don't find it helpful for me. And at this point in my life, I wanna do things that are helpful for me and healthy for me.
2: Right, and I feel like a lot of people, a lot of people like those groups, but there's a lot of people who can relate to you. And a lot of people who will listen to this and be inspired and be encouraged, like, hey, there's not just one path to continuing running. There's multiple different paths, and I can do a path that's right and healthy for me. Yeah. It was awesome. That's really yeah. cool.
0: I, I will say just one other thing that may be of interest to your to some of your listeners, and I, you know, I, I know you have an eclectic sort of broad group. I have long I, I think I mentioned when I was emailing someone that I, I used to write for a blog that was actually about women and Catholicism. Which is a side note but i have a piece that i wrote there some years ago uh, called um on tattoos and running in the woods and it's really a meditation on my own uh, the way in which in over my lifetime i was raised catholic and i have come to find being in outdoor spaces a place that is keeps me is it's my sanity i always say it's my sanity it's my sanctuary and it's my salvation right and ended up in my 20s getting a tattoo that reflected that and have spent a lot of my, my adult life as I have bounced around the United States and bounced around the world um, due to family moves and job needs. Found myself in all sorts of places all over this amazing world that we share that are that are unfamiliar to me, but outdoor spaces from... Abidjan in cote d'ivoire on the west coast of africa to trails in outside of luxembourg city in the middle of of europe uh you know mountains in in greece you know trying to trek up there you know with a backpack on sleeping in a refuge on the side of the mountain i mean all these places where the grandeur of what life offers is really on display and just the amazingness of the people that i've met are on display and so i I have come to see my running as just also a meditation. For me, it's a meditative way to be and to just be and kind of soak up what's around. And um, that has been a powerful metaphor for me also that I have shared with some folks over the years. But I, I always, you know, sometimes people ask me about said tattoo that I have, and then I sort of get into this conversation about this weird connection between spirituality faith running the the natural world and you know depending on who you're talking to their eyes glaze over <laughs> sometimes <laughs> it's, um, but sometimes it strikes a chord right uh, because it's it's eclectic and it doesn't fit in a box and I think that's how I would mostly describe myself and definitely in terms of running
1: to your point a little bit about like the toxic toxicity of like running in some drew you kind of like more to like being outside I um I ran in college too for Michigan State and we kind of had this conversation actually last week about mental health and uh, um and running and and kind of that atmosphere that is is the negative side of running for us too um I like you like after um kind of running more competitively started going and doing trail running because I had never done that before and I thought it was something that was like a challenge, but I didn't have to have all this other baggage around it. It wasn't a track, you know, um, kind of a thing for me. Um, So I can totally, totally understand you. You know
0: what? It's it's funny you should say that because the last few years I have tried a couple things that were just so outside of my comfort zone, particularly for that reason, because I didn't want to be burdened. With having expectations, and so this this you know triathlon that I did was one of them. Like, okay, I finished a half Ironman. Look at that! I didn't die. That was my entire goal at the beginning: don't drown, don't fall off the bike. And then once you get to the running part, just have a good time. But then you know, a couple a year and a half ago or so, I on a whim decided to sign up for a fifty k trail run. Um, mostly because when I was younger and growing up, where I was in New Hampshire was our sort of our house and then miles and miles of logging trails. And part of how I got into running was to give me a legitimate escape from some real challenges in my household. If I said I was going out for a run, I was allowed, I could leave the house and I could go and be away. Um, And where away was there was running on these trails that you know, I mean, I'm sure now, this was way pre-cell phone and pre-tracking and who, know, you know, who knows what might've happened, but it, but it didn't. And it gave, it was just my sort of safe space. And yeah, but I hadn't done that in years and I went out and ran this thing. And I, I mean, I was covered in mud by the end of it and spent a heck of a lot of time laughing. And turns out that I didn't do so badly, but I had zero expectations. I mean, the only goal was to go and try it. And see what happened and again try to be okay with just being and and bringing joy to that experience it was wonderful so i hear you i um, where i live here now the trails that are closest to us are frankly is a lot of intense trail runner people so i have not actually (laughs) gone to those spaces i tend to find little little races in far off locations where it's really just me and whatever the space I'm in yeah um do you
1: think that like the reason that you tried a bunch of different like events was because then like running kind of became this thing where it was like stressful and then you kind of wanted to try something else
0: It, it absolutely it absolutely was um it absolutely was a way to try something else to challenge myself in a new way And to take some of the pressure off. I mean that, and I know that about myself, the moment that there are no expectations is the moment that I can relax into it. And, and I, you know, I put expectations on myself. I mean, in general, not just around running, but trying these things where I had zero expertise and were really dependent upon other people to either give me advice or tell me something where I got to be sort of the the new, the newbie. The neophyte who didn't know what was going on and could just learn was really, really liberating <laughs> in a wonderful, wonderful way. And really, yeah, and and reduced all kinds of stress. You know, I, I, I'd i like to live about 100 different lives is what I'd like to do. And so I'd like to try about a million different things. Um, next up is I really want to go and do some training in biathlon. This is my newest. Adventure plan. I know I I cross country ski, um, not amazingly, but I have for my whole life. And I've decided that biathlon might be might be a hoot for no other reason than that it seems really really challenging. And I know nothing about shooting guns at targets. I suspect I would be horrible at it, but it sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> so and I do wish that I had this kind of an outlook on these things earlier on in my life. I wish I had come to some of these realizations, but. Um, but I do think that some of it just comes with age and life experience and, um, realizing going through enough struggle and trauma to, um, to realize what's important and what's not.
2: Since you grew up with like brothers and sisters, um, did you ever struggle with people around you wanting you to be like more ladylike, you know, that stereotype and because you want to play like I know in my history like I wanted to play I had an older brother I wanted to do everything he did and then so sometimes people around you be like oh well do lady like things. so I was wondering did you have yeah. that
0: that's a great question and I think thanks for asking it um not necessarily so and I, I guess I will say within my immediate family no Now, society writ large, lots of things. I grew up, I I was born in the early 70s. I was in high school in the 80s. If you have seen those big hair pictures from, I didn't ever have, I couldn't do that, but um, that was my moment. So there was a lot of cultural norms. You watch film movies from the 80s. I mean, there's a lot of weird gender dynamics that, that were going on. In my actual household, my sister and I are the oldest. She's the oldest, then me, and then we have four younger brothers. And there's 14, more than 14 years between the oldest and the youngest. So there's a big, big spread there. So to be honest, uh, for much of my growing up, because she and I were the oldest and we were the biggest for quite a while, you no, know, we really got to drive things. Uh, and, and in the household, my parents were very much about um, equality, if not in all areas, at least attempting, you know, I I did grow up in a family where you didn't get, if you were a boy, you did not get excused from dishwashing and laundry folding and the rest of it. And if you were a girl, you didn't get excused from doing yard work or, you know, figuring out how to take care, do some simple fixes to furniture in the basement with the, you know, tools. So that was a real, I mean, I'm lucky in that way. Uh, I was also a spitfire, and that's probably the nicest way I can say it. I I suspect I was a handful. Uh, and I didn't take much guff from anyone. I was very, you know, opinionated at the age of five, six, and seven. So, yeah, I was lucky in that way. I do know, as I got a bit older, that the tension between those got greater right in order to be popular you were to do certain things i because i was not popular and therefore i guess i decided i wasn't going to be i just found my way to people that uh didn't care quite as much so you know i my senior year of high school i had a one of my good friends on our on our track team you know he had a Old like VW bus, and he and I and a couple of our other friends, we used to like go in that thing and drive out in the middle of nowhere and just go like run up around mountains and jump into you know bodies of water where you know I think back to it now I think we could have all died and nobody would have found our bodies for days, um and that was good fun right? <laughs> it's not everybody's high school adventures but it was mine, so you know I I guess I would say I was lucky in that way, uh. I will just finish up on this topic by saying that I did. And this it's interesting. I think this loops back. I don't know why this is coming up so much, but it loops back to my commentary about this place of running and um, and thinking about dynamics within within faith communities. Again, I mentioned I was raised Catholic and I um, er, years ago, I mean, at this point, 10 or 15 years ago, I don't even remember when it came out. I have a, a, an essay that I wrote in a book I was actually tied to that blog that I was writing, but this book came out and I have an essay in there that talks about, uh, kind of coming of age as a girl in that, in that in the church in this moment in the 1980s and it sort of starts off by saying you know i was confirmed wearing this little bubble skirt that was a whole thing in the 80s that i used to that when my grand like sort of when my grandparents were around or when i was supposed to be demure it was like a long skirt but then you could button it up and make it into a short skirt and i say something in that essay about you know sometimes i would button it up and show off my runner's legs you know and kind of remind myself that i was you know i was as powerful as all those boys out there right this sort of thing so yeah i was lucky i would say i was very very lucky um in that way i didn't uh, you know i think i just did my did my own thing not that i wasn't aware of it but um yeah I, i didn't feel quite as many limitations as perhaps other folks did You just kind
1: of touched on something that like I have been kind of focusing on since like our, like I I said, we talked about mental health and just um, I think at a certain point that like we realized that we were powerful and that we did hold power and um, not even just in the way uh, that you're speaking to in the beginning, but that like as a valuable person um, that we could, we could like create this change for ourselves when did that perspective shift for you like when in your life did that happen do you think it was like always with you like even when you were st- really struggling um and, and po- in poverty in poverty um because that kind of um like lack of power can lead to like depression and other things too like when did that come like show up for you in your life
0: another very good question um I definitely had a sense of this when I was, when I was quite young. I think I lost that for a good portion of my teens, twenties, frankly, and thirties, where I really came to understand myself as having value only either in relation to other people, or in relation to accomplishments that were external that I could prove. You know, could I get it good enough grades? Could I? Um, you know, manage relationships, you know, was I a good mother? Could I get a job, uh, you know, in this field, could I, pre- like all of these external pieces, uh, and not ever quite realizing that just being was good enough. Um, there were just a lot of expectations and it's, you know, a, a lot of expectations. I had a lot of expectations on me from my family of origin. I, I, you know, had expectations on me professionally. We had a lot of financial, you know, finances until fairly, you know, much later in my life than maybe some people were not, were not something that I ever felt quite comfortable with. So I will say that it took me quite, quite a long time to get there. Um, and. But the fact that I knew, I, I think part of what has kept me going and part of what probably kept me going all those years was that somewhere deep down inside, I remembered this feisty little girl who was, um, you know, I mean, I was this freckle faced, fairly outspoken, um, red haired kid who took, who had a lot of things to say to about all the things. All the time Um, I was a good I was a good student I was a really good you know good kid but I was you know I remember I got in trouble in elementary school because I didn't want to play pillow polo with the girls in gym class I wanted to play floor hockey I didn't want to do whatever I remember something it's like I don't know something we were supposed to do outside in the fall one year and the boys got to play flag football and i pitched a fit because I played, had been playing football at with my, with my family for years, and I've got a wicked like right arm and I can throw an awesome spiral to this day, which my now 19 year old son will affirm. I still, I can't now I can't be quite so nimble and I can't jump over anybody in the end zone to catch anything, but Thanksgiving day f- football games. Oh, I can QB like nobody's business. Right. And so I had that, like that feisty bit that was there and it was there somewhere buried really deep down. And, um, you know, I, it took me a long time. I will say that I think the moment, part of why I've talked about this triathlon quite a bit was that that moment for me really crystallized, oh my gosh, like this is a thing that I am doing for me. I'm doing it for nobody else. It does not matter. It doesn't matter two hoots to anybody else. But I was so proud of myself for taking the risk. And in that moment, I realized as that day was going on that that um it didn't need to be about anybody else and I was good enough no matter what happened like if I getting to that starting line was was an accomplishment and getting to the finish line it didn't matter if it was going to take me 20 hours like I you know it didn't matter it was something that I never thought I could do and it wasn't for anybody else it was for me and I and then I will just mention that in 2000 and 16 2016. i think that really where this i became crystal clear about this in 2016 just a couple weeks after the presidential election which i know put a whole lot of us no um, oh, that's not true i'm sorry wrong dates it must have been the following year sorry I'm, i should check my dates before i tell you stories about things uh, in the midst of the last administration and it was just following along um a week or so of what had been the really challenging nationally challenging um supreme court justice uh, hearings brett kavanaugh's hearings that were really all about you know the allegations of sexual assault and carrying on um the weekend following the closure of those hearings I ran a marathon in New Hampshire that began in place A and ended on the campus of a university where I had been raped when I was 18. And I had never been back to that place in, it had been almost 30 years. Never wanted to be in that place, never wanted to talk about it, never wanted to go near it. And I signed up for that marathon knowing full well that when I got to the end of the miles 26 to 26.2 were gonna take me from from a public road onto that campus. And I was gonna have to cross the finish line in that space. And I tell you this because that experience was transformative. I did not know I was gonna be able to do that. And I spent 26 miles not knowing if I was going to be able to do that. And I did it. And in that moment realized that I had reclaimed something that had been taken. Right. And in that moment really began to realize that this was about something bigger. Um, and, and, and in that moment got a new sense of, finding myself and my strength in ways and realizing where maybe some of that had gotten lost along the way it's you know i mean it's and i say this knowing that it's that's not the whole story right and it's no story is ever like that's the whole thing but it was incredibly powerful i and i didn't know and it was a risk and it was a challenge um and i have run that race uh i've run that race two two other times since then uh, and it's it's powerful but that day was incredibly powerful and i i do think that that was a moment you know well into my 40s where where the uh the refinding of of myself was part of that you know i would not be giving this interview with you well, you know a decade ago i was not in this place a decade ago Wow. Thank you for sharing
2: that. That's impactful. That you're right. It's completely powerful. So hard to overcome it. You like faced it.
0: Anger inspires me. If you can, (laughs) that's I will say righteous anger. Usually Uh, it's that those are, those are powerful um, emotions, uh, whether it's about something of myself or, or meditating on um, meditating on women's lives over the centuries who have been Mistreated, harmed women who have stood up against all the odds, like all the odds Um, from individual members of my family to major figures to folks I've met along the way. Like, it's amazing to me. Those are the people that I that I carry with me, you know, always trying to remember if, if other people could do whatever it was they did, you know, literally and metaphorically, I can keep putting one foot in front of another. Not every day does it feel quite so inspiring, but that I'm very intentional about thinking about that. And it has been, um, it has been helpful to me.
1: So you said that you're using your platform basically for your, your power for good. How can other white women like help to.
0: As white women who want to be in communion, communion and community with a wide range of women is stepping back in whatever space you're in. Figuring out what the needs are and engaging in a way that's actually useful, not assuming that you have the answer, not assuming that you, um, not assuming that you have a comparable experience that you would like to share—all uh, those kinds of things are just day-to-day ways to be um, to to use that privilege to 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 move mountains, really, right? Because structural change the people who control the structures, which at this moment are white people, <laughs> those people need to change the structures. So whatever spaces you're in, running spaces, work spaces, family spaces, neighborhood spaces, with your kid on that there, whatever activity, you know, use use your privilege in, in, in powerful ways. Um, and if you can you know in my example of just the way that i've tried to raise money for charity organizations i'm very intentional about those charities in trying to find ones that are doing important work in the place that i'm actually living or in organizations that i have some connection to where it's where there is a i have i have more of a responsibility right i have more of there's more of a requirement on me uh, to to not just look to add to gain money for those organizations but to also invest myself in them and to learn and think hard about what that means for my daily life. And I think that's what I think that's what we can all do. But, you know, generally speaking, white women in the running community, don't be talking about women in running as though it's there's a universal and don't be all about centering whiteness, that would be great too. Be really really good. So that's probably the shortest answer I've ever given to that sort of a question. Sorry.
1: <laughs> I appreciate that. Like yeah. you're, you're supporting so many amazing like things I think that we should try to spotlight all of them. <laughs> you're a sociologist as well.
0: So uh, so so yes and no. Okay. Um, so my my PhD is actually in cultural studies. So I'm trained, so I run a department of interdisciplinary studies. So we, in that department, we have American studies, gender and women's studies, peace and conflict studies, Latinx studies, African-American studies, um, urban studies. So I actually do work that's at the intersection of the social sciences and the humanities. So I play fast and loose. I always tell people like, just like I wanna live 10 lives and I am an omnivore in all of my, sporting activities i picked an interdisciplinary field to get a doctorate in because i couldn't really decide and i had really big questions i wanted to try to answer and i like to pick and choose all the methods and stuff that i could use so um tiffany and i overlap quite a bit in our in our training and our theoretical interests and our and and actually our scholarship but i pull some things in from um, the humanities as well so i do that and i sit on a couple of boards i head up a couple things and i don't i keep myself fairly busy but yeah so i i write very very broadly about race and immigration and um gender and and how they all come together and how they've that has played out historically and how it's played out culturally and a little bit of everything but they all cycle around issues of social justice and um and, and issues of equity so however that has that played out. I had a former, I had a former career as a social worker. I used to work with survivors of domestic violence. I wrote um, a piece for a newspaper in Minnesota. Um, let's see, it must have been last fall uh, or last summer. I guess at this point, in the wake of George Floyd's murder, because there was a whole lot of conversation about how you know people were shocked, shocked, shocked that this happened in Minnesota. What? What? So my first book that I wrote actually has to do with the with the Twin Cities of Minneapolis, St Paul, which is where that took place a hundred years ago. and it's a close look at the ways in which the very the very deeply embedded racism of those spaces was being played out, and how in in one part of the book, talking about how the cops turned a blind eye. So this is a hundred years ago, right? So I wrote an op-ed for a newspaper out there saying, just in case any of you would like to continue this conversation about how this is shocking to you, right. let me share a couple photos with you and also some information. <laughs> Some back of how this <laughs> not be i've true. got some pushback <laughs> from that i recently got some pushback as nasty emails about something i wrote a couple weeks ago about educational equity and race relations anyway it's amazing it's amazing how many people are invested in the status quo yeah. so you know that's again yeah. you know i've got a platform and i can say things so now i say them
1: yeah well yeah. Just, so like just as many people are gonna appreciate this then. They probably won't write you emails, but they're gonna appreciate what you're saying too.
2: What words of empowerment would you give to other women who are looking, you know, to either like start running or face, you know, certain challenges in their Mm -hmm. journey as well?
0: Yeah, so I have a few thoughts. One is that I've been thinking about this recently, running doesn't ask a whole lot of us. I know sometimes people hear about running then they think it's, wow, that's hard. But really running doesn't ask that much of us. If we're, If we're feeling down, if we're struggling, what running asks is that you just put one foot in front of the other. It does not matter how fast you go. It does not actually matter how many of those steps you take. It's just about putting one foot in front of the other. And that is really what it's about. And I think many, many women of all ages some more than others, but feel are, are really, really beat down by the world at large. And that, that looks different for diff- women in different socioeconomic positions, different ethno racial groups. Like it is not all the same, <laughs> not all the same. But running is something that doesn't ask a lot of us. Uh, so that's, that's one. Uh, you know, going along with that is if you run, you're a runner, right? Who's a runner? Oh, are you running? Great, you're a runner. That's fabulous. <laughs> right uh, th- that would be that would be my second. The other is to encourage women to find what what things give them joy about moving their body like what is it? Is it about the way it makes you feel when you're done, which is awesome right? <laughs> go do it. Is it you know that on a really hard day you you go around the block or you go a mile or you go 10 miles, and you have a moment to step outside of your routine and just be with yourself, right? That that precious—I mentioned this earlier—but that precious, precious time to just be with yourself and not be burdened by other people's demands. And uh, I, I, you know, I was a young mom trying to run with a baby and a toddler, and a—you know—I remember at a certain point where I realized that my son in the running stroller weighed more than me pushing the running stroller. Like this is not easy, but still getting out there was time that it broke up the routine. So I would say that, um, and it allows you to get out of your head and into your body. And I think we as women, we as women have really complicated relationships with our bodies and moving our bodies. And for me, at least moving my body in places, either natural spaces or places that I don't know right? Places that are new to me. I've had adventures all over the world, mostly from being in a place and getting up in the morning and going running, not exactly knowing where I was. And you just see things you wouldn't expect and you, you have these revelations. So, um, running, I would say, you know, if you're struggling with your body, if you are not sure you have this love hate affair with it, you know, getting out there and moving it, gets you out of your head and really respecting the fact that your body is there and it's serving you, right? It's serving you. It's doing this amazing thing and that's what it's doing. So, I mean, that's, um, those are some of the things that I would say. Mostly I would just encourage women to, to do what gives them joy. And it does not matter if the thing you're doing doesn't give the person next to you joy. That's not your, that's not your bother. You know, we are really good at figuring out as women what makes everybody else happy. We are really good at judging ourselves. And you have this one body and you can move it however you want um, and, you know, get out there and do it. And I have long, you know, I mentioned I had taught this class that I developed for my students. I am in the process of, I'm gonna be going through a coaching course later this spring. And part of that is just to get some street cred, but I've long wanted to figure out a way to just be available to mentor and facilitate women who wanna find a way to use, whether it's hiking or walking or running, to just be kind to themselves <laughs> and and come to more awareness of who they are, but just find some joy in life. There's enough hard stuff out there that I think this can bring people joy individually. And through it, I have, you know, through it, connect you to other people, uh, if, if that's what you want, but connect you to yourself first and foremost, and if you do that, you know, your world, your world also opens up. It definitely
2: touched me a lot of the things that you said, so like I can resonate with a lot of things oh, that you said, it was very, well, I'm glad. <laughs> so I'm sure that our viewers, a lot of our viewers will be able to get inspired and get empowered from your words as well.
0: Well, thank you. I hope so. Um, And I've, you know, I've been inspired by watching some of your other interviews and know all the other amazing women who are out there. So it is a joy and an honor to be part of these conversations. And I thank you for, for letting me be here with you.